All right, welcome everybody to number 10 of the Patient Centre Medical Home Lightning Lunchtime webinars happening on every second Thursday at one o'clock. I'm Dan Ewald and uh, I'm a GP in Lennox Head and Bulliner Aboriginal Health Service and clinical advisor for the Primary Health Network. And today to talk us through sick day action plans as a really useful tool in uh, improving the quality of primary care we, we deliver in our patient centre medical homes, we're joined by a specialist renal nurse, Graham Turner, who's spent many years uh, linking up his expertise in renal services, uh, seeing patients in general practice. Graham, would you like to introduce yourself some more? And uh, he's in voice only today. We don't have the images of Graham. Yeah, um, afternoon everyone, I'm Graham. My parents always said I had a good head for radio, so my camera's not working today. Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk uh, a little bit today about sick day action plans. We've actually, in our renal services, we developed our action plans uh, a couple of years ago because often what um, the specialists were saying to clients wasn't getting back to the GPs and what the GPs were saying wasn't getting to the specialist. So actually giving the client something to take with them was a, a good way that uh, the message was carried through to whoever the client saw, so whether that be a GP, an emergency department or a, another specialist clinician. Okay, Graham, let's, let's just take a step back and, and look, what are sick day action plans? And as a GP, why should I bother with them? Well, sick day action plans, uh, we've got most of us, or most of your clients, uh, the majority of the time, they, they're well, and everything's fantastic when you're well. But um, often, as we get older, uh, as, as our clients get older, you know, they get a minor illness, they, you know, try to deny even that they've got it, go, I'll just go to bed, I'll be better tomorrow. Um, and often that isn't the best plan of action. Often they're better to be seen and have medical intervention early rather than just um, stay in bed and hope that they'll get unwell. As you get older, there's less chance that you get unwell. The insights on your body become greater. And just to emphasise the point, we did an audit in 2010 at Lismore Base Hospital of renal admissions to intensive care we picked up in that 12 months, we had 10 people who were admitted to intensive care with acute kidney injury due to a dehydrated illness that had sat at home, sat on their illness for over a week and ended up in intensive care. And that's not the outcome we want for our patients. So, Graham, most people kind of can stay at home if they get a minor illness. Um, but we're talking here about people that have got fairly advanced long-term conditions that have no kind of reserve and no capacity to tolerate even a small insult to their equilibrium, let's say. So it might be triggered by a little bit of diarrhoea or having a bit of a flu or something, and then things are easily spiralling out of control unless they do something fairly quickly at home. So, and you mentioned that some of these renal patients were becoming dehydrated and they really could have not become dehydrated. Is that the story? Yeah, that's exactly right. And an analogy I like to use, not from my from my renal background, but from I like the heart failure people. They have compensated and decompensated heart failure. 
if someone's got a chronic disease, they have a chronic illness, and usually their body can compensate. But when their kidney function, respiratory function, heart function isn't good, as good as the general uh, population, they have less reserve and they more quickly fall into the decompensated phase of the disease, and that's what we're trying to stop, trying to stop these people from decompensating and ending up in hospital just by treating them early, adjust, small adjustments to their medications, some um, rehydration by the general practitioner. So these are plans, as you've got on your slide notes there, for things that the patient and their carer do at home. These aren't action plans for the nurse and the doctor to be following. Um, and, but this can include changes to the medications, you're saying? Yeah, that's worked out on each patient with uh, the general practitioner or the specialist clinician that they do um, make a change to that medication in the short term. But most of the sick day plans, as you'll see, they say that within a period of 24 to 48 hours, they get follow-up. That gives them that time to get to their general practitioner to be assessed and longer-term changes made. Well, perhaps if you could um, talk us through some of these conditions. You mentioned a few different conditions where sick day action plans can work. So tell us about different types of action plans. Well, I suppose I'll speak to, to my area first because that's the one I know. But so uh, people with our kidney disease, with uh, stage 4 chronic kidney disease, for instance, or, or stage 3B, so with, uh, you know, between 15 and say 45% kidney function, often they will be in a fluid gaining state. So they may be on diuretic medications to help them, to stop them from fluid overloading. And they may are also often on quite large doses of antihypertensive medications to stop their blood pressure from coming too high and preserve kidney function in the long term. Now, if they get dehydrated, these medications uh, can call, can worsen things. So if we simply remove a diuretic because they notice that they're getting dehydrated, remove a diuretic for a 24 to 48-hour period until they see um, their GP, we can stop a, a crisis from happening uh, and stop a hospital admission. They could also sometimes decrease their antihypertensives. These side of things are worked out with their general practitioner. And another one is um, metformin. Often people see metformin as a red flag in people with kidney disease. Metformin is a very good drug as long as the people know when their kidney function goes down, if they get dehydrated, for instance, they can stop that medication so the level of metformin doesn't build up in their body. So that's um, what we do for kidney failure um, or kidney disease. With asthma, it can mean people um, taking extra medications, making sure they're on the preventative medications, taking extra doses of their inhalers um, when acute episodes happening to keep them well until they can get medical review. Um, and with uh, heart, heart, heart failure action plans, again, it's around fluid management, they can recognise when their fluid level in their body is building up and, decre and increase their uh, diuretic dose. And when it's, uh, their fluid levels are low, they can decrease that dose. The important thing to mention with these, 
medication titrations is they have to be worked out for an individual patient with their general practitioner or their specialist. But the role of the, uh, the practice nurse or the specialist nurse in my case uh, is that we need to communicate what this means to the patient. Often I find that sit there for quite a long period with the patient, get them to talk back to me what they understand by what's written on the piece of paper. Be doing the teach back method of, of asking the patient and the carer to teach you what it is that they're going to be doing if they feel their condition's deteriorating. That sounds like a good idea. So we're, we're very familiar with asthma action plans, and that's just the asthma example of a sick day action plan. We should be pretty comfortable with using the chronic obstructive airways action plans, but probably less of us are very familiar with the heart failure sick day action plan ideas and the renal sick day action plan ideas. I guess I'm wondering, you know, with with the people with the respiratory conditions, it's pretty obvious to them if they can't breathe that well. They really notice it. But sometimes the people with the heart failure, they, they've got pretty well-developed edema before they kind of it rings any alarm bells. So what do you teach them to actually monitor? Uh, with heart failure, and, and so we do actually do the same because some of our renal patients also fluid load, um, monitoring daily weight, what their weight is each day, can give us an idea if they've had any acute increases or decreases in the amount of fluid in their body. Some of them already, some have blood pressure machines at home so they can monitor their blood pressure. We also talk to them about getting short of breath. So if, uh, if someone's got heart failure and they're overloaded, you know, one of the first questions I'll ask is how many pillows do you sleep on in the night? You know, do you get short of breath when you lay down? So it's teaching the patient and getting them to teach you about what symptoms they have and recognise and then developing a plan, again, with their specialist or their general practitioner for what to do in these scenarios. Let's let's think about an example um, of, of how you'd actually go through working that, working through a plan. Here's one um, which people might be familiar with. They're not, and you're in the... North Coast Primary Health Network, you can get this out of Health Pathways. And if you're listening from another primary health network area, you can probably get it from your local Health Pathways or you can get it from the Lung Foundation website. Um, how, would you, uh, how would you work a session with a patient filling this out, Graham? Well, I think the important thing that you've pointed out there, Dan, is that we fill it out with the patient. So, you know, put the, the patient's uh, demographic data on top of their GPs and what have you um, and confirm that's all right. Then talk to them about what their usual activity levels are, what their usual sleep is. Check what they know about their disease, whether they've had their, uh, their immunisations, and that serves as a reminder for them to have their, their um, immunisations. My usual medications, that's an interesting one we come to, and I find it very important with every, every patient I see. I always say, come along to your kidney appointment, can you bring all your medications with them? So that's a matter of writing down the medications that they're on in the language they understand. We've got trade and generic names. What is uh, written in their medical record might not be the same as a tablet, or the same, uh, might not have the same name as a tablet does on the box they're on. So it's getting an understanding for them 
that they understand what they're on um, and how much they have. So this is for diabetes, so it's what colour their puffer is, how many puffs they have, how often. Then talking to them about what the plan is when they're feeling unwell. Again, this, this is our plan here. What, what are things that you might be feeling unwell? More phlegm, more coughing, loss of appetite, not sleeping. Then going through them and writing the plan. Ideally, you've got their puffers with them. You can say, so when would you take this puffer? How much would you take? At what point would you see the GP? It's really um, increasing the health literacy of the patient and making sure that their part, the patient is part of the health team. Okay, Graham, one of the questions I've had from other GPs who were feeling a little challenged with this um, was they're saying, well, most of my patients have got more than one condition. How do you do plans for someone who's got heart failure and chronic lung disease? That's a good question, Dan. Um, I suppose there's a couple of way around, ways around it. You could do the two conditions um, and do an overriding piece of paper that you write yourself and say, for when you're sick, your COPD, this could happen, your heart failure, this could happen. So again, it's about personalising. Otherwise, I think we can use these template plans that we've got to do and get a blank piece of paper. If you're the GP, there's no reason why you can't get a blank piece of paper. Take the individual components off the action plans we've got and write that onto a plan. The important thing I would say is that plan is then given to the patient and they know to take that to the emergency department, take that to the GP when they're sick. So, they, so the, uh, the medical staff in the emergency department, for instance, knows what the plan was that the GP had put in place and knows why they're there. If, if they get there, but the point of all of this is that they don't get there. Um, yes, ideally they don't. In, in my experience of doing these, as people with multi long -term, multiple long-term conditions, there's usually one of the conditions which is the most unstable and the most brittle. It's usually the COAD or the heart failure or the diabetes or whatever, which gives them the most, is the most risk of going off, leading to it to an admission or a dangerous illness. And so I would focus the plan around that most unstable element. And in some instances, if, uh, people, I've, I've had action plans where it could be either their heart or their lungs. Increase your diuretic if your weight's gone up, um, but you can also increase your um, COPD medications if the breathing's also gone off at the same time. Uh, but you have to, as you said, I think do that on a very case-by-case -case basis and it has to be very tailored to the health literacy level of, of the patient and their carer. In many instances, it's the partner or carer who is likely to be the one to initiate steps in the action plan. So yeah. at, um, one of the, the nice things about this uh, template from the Lung Foundation is that on the backside of it, it's got a bunch of instructions on how to use the different inhalers and there's some indigenous uh, adaptations of these care plans, which are all available from the same kinds of sites such as Health Pathways. Graham, what are you, what's your experience of uh, 
these patient these action plans have been useful for your patients? Um, I can give some very specific examples there. Just going back, you said about the mindful of the multi diseases. I, I must admit, I 100% agree with that. So, a lot of our kidney patients, as you know, have diabetes, and we will include what to do with you, if you can see on there. Um, some of the medications we might change is uh, metformin is probably the most common one. We get them to hold that because of their diabetes. And we also, it says on the plan that we get them to increase their number of times they check their blood sugar levels, if that's what they do. I say if that's what they do, because there are certainly patients out there that aren't checking blood sugar levels now. If that's the case, well, then you would simply cross that out. So I agree with that. Now, the experience using the action plans, where we've seen the difference is we've had patients with stage four, late stage four chronic kidney disease who are very close going to falling into end stage kidney disease where they would need to go on to dialysis. They've had some vomiting and diarrhea. In the past, before we had action plans that the patients carried with them, they may go to an emergency department in a small hospital at the weekend, uh, maybe a local doctor on who has no local experience or knowledge of the local patients, they'll go, oh, you're just a bit dehydrated, go home and drink a bit more fluid, and if you're unwell in two days, we'll come back. And we find these, when that was happening, these people would end up very unwell, um, you know, in Lismore Base Hospital, whereas uh, since we've had the action plan in place, Firstly, we've had patients who have been able to stop the medications and they've gone to their, withhold their medications and increase their fluid intake and they've gone to their GPs and been managed in the general practice setting. And secondly, we've had people who have gone to the emergency department. Uh, you'll see in the notes in the emergency department that they had a sick day action plan. Their specialist physician, their renal physician, because these are really quite unwell renal patients, has been contacted and we've had a smooth course of action um, and maybe a hospitalisation in one of the outlying hospitals for rehydration for 24 hours and then they've gone home. Yeah, thanks, Graham. So let's, I'm just thinking about how this fits into the model of the patient-centred medical home. And to me, this is an example of empowering patients to be more the masters of their health experience and there's nothing more person-centred or patient-centred than people being the boss of their own health story. So I think it sits right in there um, and clearly will help keep people out of hospital. I think relevant to this is some research work that I've been involved in with the University Centre for Rural Health, where we've been looking at hospital admissions in hospitals within our primary health network area and actually assessing which of the potentially preventable hospitalizations could have been prevented. And one of the things that stands out as being the most, one of the most useful changes is to ensure that all the patients had sick day action plans. And we were particularly looking at COPD, heart failure, ischemic heart disease, and diabetes. Uh, ensuring that they all had action plans, that, that those action plans were being used. And the were being used part is really all about how well uh, they've had that conversation of, of, of being involved in, in drawing up their own action plan and understanding their action plan and their carer understanding the action plan. 
And so that research has has heightened my interest in in uh, using action plans very well. So in the winter is a great time to uh, to focus on those patients who are at high risk of ending up in hospital uh, because that's the time when they'll get these um, winter ailments that can tip these people with no functional reserve or little functional reserve into a very dangerous state. These people with the uh, heart failure, asthma, COAD, unstable diabetes, advanced renal disease, etc. And all of these action plans have been put on a website for our winter strategy, which you can see on your screens now. Uh, and we encourage people to uh, go to that website, uh, follow the links, uh, or you can get to there through the Mid and North Coast Health Pathways websites, and you can download not only plans, some descriptions on how to use them, but also templates for medical director and best practice so that you can have those plans drop straight into your, your um, letters files, your, your documents files, and have those templates uh, populate with the patient's demographics and their current medications, etc. Helps to speed things up. Have we had any questions come in on the chat board? All right, well, I think this is a really important area. Um, and Graham, thanks very much for all your, your advice, particularly in this area of the renal action plans where probably few of us have much experience on, uh, in, in using those. And uh, if any people have other improvement ex uh, ideas and experience of making this work well in their practice, do share it with the rest of the community through the Patient Center Medical Home website. Thanks, uh, Dan. I'd, just, I'd like to say thank you too. And um, I, I would like to emphasize to any, any practice nurses there, sit there, get the patient to teach back what you want. And one of the great things about action plans is you can write it in their language what they need to do, or they can help you write it in their language so they can understand it. And also in the in the clinic in the sick day action plan format, the general practitioner or any health professional they see can see in our language what that we've got to do. So it is really empowering the patients. Thank you. That's great, Graham. Is there any way that a practice nurse could have a a um, a lesson with someone like yourself or the uh, respiratory nurses or heart failure nurses in the from the LHD that could come and sit down with them and, and do one or two of these with patients? Yeah, that's. Um, I'd be most open to that. I can't speak for the other specialist nurses in the area, but I would be be most open to that to doing that. And maybe we could even record that session so other people could uh, could see uh, what we were going through, and that could be an accessible resource in in what we do with the patients with the action plans. Fantastic. All right, thanks again, Graham Turner, specialist renal nurse from the Northern Local Health District. And uh, we'll talk again with everybody else in two weeks' time for our Thursday Patient Centre Medical Home a Lightning Lunchtime webinars. See you then. Browse our website for more information or get in touch to find out more about patient-centred medical homes.